welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. So the message title today is called The Baptism of Relationships. Man, you know, from the very beginning, God seems to be very interested in relationships. It's a bizarre phenomenon. You think about even the world, even nations who are at war with each other will often still trade with each other. It's almost like our dietary needs, where we need many different types of nutritional aspects, you know, this country will have this particular nutritional outworking, which we need, And this one will have a different one, and this one will have a different one, and we all have to cooperate at some point, even though our armies are trying to kill each other, just so that we've got the fullness of nutritional needs. What about resources? Yeah, gas, fuel, oil. Oh, yeah, our our armies are battling each other, but, you know, hey... I need that, you need this, let's still trade. It happened all the way through World War I, World War II, even today. And I'm like, maybe God designed it so that no matter how we were going about things in life, we were still dependent on relationships. So point one here, for those like points, point one is called shaping our view. I want to read from Joshua 5, 13 or 14, all right? And it says this. Now, to give some context, Joshua and the Israelites, they're in the wilderness. They're about to attack a place called Jericho. And uh, obviously, Joshua's probably feeling a little bit apprehensive about it, and he's out in the wilderness having a bit of a walk. And a man appears before him, and it would be right to say that this man is divine, because not only does, well, when he shows up, the ground become holy, but also Joshua is allowed to worship him. Yeah. So those two facts alone mean that this man that appeared before Joshua is divine. And this is what he says to, um, this is what it says in this passage, right? So Joshua 5, 13 to 14. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man. The Hebrew word there is ish for those who aren't familiar with this. Ish means man. It doesn't say angel. This is a man, a divine man. A man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you on our side or their side? So he said, this is the man, the divine man speaking. He said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? You see, we have to realize that God does not have a human worldview. But we are constantly trying to shape God into our worldview. Uh, So Joshua saw this man and assumed the same thing. He must be on our side or he is on their side. And I have a very short video I'd like you to watch. Media. At that moment, I felt a touch on my left shoulder and a voice 
and says, I forgive you. I did not understand uh, what, how could that be possible because because I had heard Allah is forgiving and merciful, but we cannot know his forgiveness till the day of judgment. So I said, who are you that forgives me? And I feel forgiven today. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I did not understand what that means because I had never heard those words. So I said, what is your name? And he said, Jesus Christ, the living God. I fell onto the floor. And I just wept. Well, some context. He was an Islamic terrorist for um, multiple groups. He was in jail when that happened. And he was just in jail and the man appeared before him. And that was his testimony. Right, But some people are like, no, John, that can't be right, because God is on our side, and he, he hates all those kind of people. Well, if you're a Bible reader, do you know what's missing from the Bible? Your opinion. Because God went and saved him anyway. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, so the situation with Joshua is the same deal. He's just like, are you on their side or my side? And when the angel, well, when the divine man says, neither, Joshua got smart. And he thought, well, if you're not on their side and you're not on my side, then I want to be on your side. Yeah, and this is basically what um, Joshua said when he said, what does my Lord say? It's, it's the same way that you would say, well, I want to be on your side. I want to join your purpose, and I want my purpose to be within that. In fact, you will fulfill your purpose if you're in God's purpose. Um. Now, this happened in the time of Jesus. This is in Luke 7, verse 30. And it says this, But the Pharisees and the, law, and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. Now, people say, oh, but the purpose of God is eternal. You're right, it really is. God doesn't change. But you can reject the purpose for yourself by not joining in his purpose. They rejected, the Pharisees and the lawyers here rejected John because they had shaped their religious opinion of him and how God was meant to do things. Um, they basically thought that John the Baptist was nuts. They did. They're like, he's crazy, man. Don't want to be baptized by him. And then they did the same thing to Jesus years later. Because Jesus was not conformed to their worldview, their religious view of what God was meant to do and who the Messiah was. They're like, this guy cannot be the Messiah because it does not agree with my worldview. 
I need to say this again. We need to put aside shaping God into our preferred world view. In Exodus 20, verse 4, interesting passage, has a very broad meaning. Um, but in Exodus 20, verse 4, it's about making an idol in basic English, okay? This is what it says. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Don't make an idol. Don't carve out an idol, right? Or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, okay? So just remove images. Yeah. I'll get to what that means in just a minute before people freak out. But it's talking about making something that you want to worship, that you hold on to, all right? Um, and now, whilst this verse is about that, it is about forming and shaping idols, we must consider, is this verse solely about shaping an image of God, about carving an idol, all right? And to be fair, if you think about this, if you read the whole Exodus experience about the Israelites leaving Egypt, to be fair, they really had no idea how to shape an idol of God. You know why? Because God had revealed himself to them in many different ways. He was a cloud at some point. So they're like, how do you make an idol? I'm going to make an idol of a cloud. Because that would have been how they saw God at one point. In Scripture, it also says, even Paul says this, that he was the rock that followed them. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you sculpt him? A rock? Couldn't you just pick up a rock? <laughs> well, I'm sculpting a rock. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, I know, it's just weird. But he was also revealed himself as water. He, you know, God and wind. So when God said, don't make a graven image of me, even the, even the Israelites would have been like, that's pretty easy because we don't really know which one you're going to be today. So it has to be more, it has to be much more than just about shaping a figurine, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, yeah, true, God has an image, and according to uh, Genesis 1, we are being created in God's image, but you cannot confine God to a single image, and that's the problem there. God's like, don't worship a single image, because honestly, I am far more multifaceted than that. You cannot confine God to a single image. Um, whether it be a wooden idol, or lovely people, listen, an image as an idol, or an image as your perception. Yes. Because God is multifaceted. In fact, the word image here in Exodus 20 can be defined as a substitutional image of something. So it's a substitutional image. Basically, it's a replacement of the real, listen to this one, <laughs> a replacement of the real for a more desirable image. That's what that is. I'll give you an example. A robot wife. 
<laughs> does she, she's nodding, does shaking her head at me. She's like, <laughs> a robot wife. Well, firstly, a robot wife doesn't argue. <laughs> or give me that look. <laughs> oh, I should have probably done these notes with her. <laughs> they certainly don't get angry, you know, if I don't clean the dishes. Um, people might say, but what about love and affection? No thanks. <laughs> I can do without them for a more simple life <laughs> or a more peaceful life. But that's what that graven image is. It's, I would prefer this than the whole technicalities of everything else. And we do exactly that with God. Now, God, when we shape God in our worldview and we create an image of God in our own minds about what He should and shouldn't be, we miss out on just so much. Um, and and honestly, just like a robot wife, we would miss out on the value and the richness of a real wife. You're going to miss out on the value and the richness of God if you try and maintain an image, a, a worldview of God that, that he himself has not said he is. Because God's very clear. God says exactly what he is. Yeah. And he doesn't even apologize for it. And then when you really get into it, he basically says, I'm too multi multifaceted for you to even understand. He goes, my ways are higher than yours. Yeah, that's a really nice way of saying, don't give up, but you're never going to make that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, I'll give you some examples of how we shape God. So, for example, I've heard over the years, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> Where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't. In fact, it actually says he helps the helpless. Yeah, that's a handy one. What about... God loves you exactly how you are. Shaping, shaping, shaping. Now, can I honestly say, God loves you and welcomes all exactly where you are at. Honestly, come, come as you are. But, God, yeah, there's that word. God has every intention of completely changing you. Yeah. Thankfully, into the righteousness, into the wholeness, into the life, and then into the resurrection of Jesus. Why would you not want to be changed? So come as you are, but expect change. Now, with that concept of, okay, let's not create an image of God. Therefore, we should not be creating false images then of each other. Things like people, when I hear people say, all men are, you can fill the blank in your own mind. No, no answering people. Keep this in your head. <laughs> There's a reason why God put a covering over your head is so that we don't have to see your thoughts. <laughs> but also the same, all women are. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say fearfully and wonderfully made, that might be good. But we go further than that too, don't we? We say things like, ah, oh, she's just a druggie. Or he's just a thug. Or they're just gay. But nobody, nobody is just anything. Like anything. 
everyone's fighting something. Everyone has a battle. Everyone has sin and a cross to take up. Everybody. Oh, and Pastor Mel said it beautifully in the, um, in the handover, in the lead moment. And I'm thinking, man, is she taking my message from me? And you did it the same in the prayer meeting this morning as well. <sighs> because it's not our job to keep people or to trap them in the bondage that they face day by day by your image. It is not your job to trap them there. It is your job to show them how to find freedom. Cannot keep people in the image. There's a massive difference between conviction and condemnation. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'll tell people straight up, I oh, know that's sin. Ah. But there's freedom from it. See, not condemnation. Conviction. Um, people do this with racism. Oh, gosh. It wasn't last night. Oh. It's intense, like yesterday with the, um, with the whole voting and all that. It, like, it was disgusting, the racism on well, both sides, really, the whole lot. It's like there are parts of every culture that I hate. Every culture, all of them. But there are parts of every culture that are beautiful. And I, I hear people say, oh, those people, they're all so... It's like, wait, what? If you go down that pathway and you see them and categorize them and you have made that graven image in your mind, that image of your mind of what all those people are like, then you are going to miss out on the absolute beauty of those cultures. Imagine if this church was racist. Firstly, this church was built actually from people of multi-nations. All the music that we would miss out on. Oh my goodness, the singers and the musicians. Those Filipino people, they are all so talented. <laughs> I could probably get on board with that one. <laughs> you really will miss out. And the thing is this, okay? The image that we have of people, people's groups, others... It's because of the experiences that have occurred in our life. Like, we don't just come up with an idea for no reason, okay? Like children, little children, they, they, are, they are taught to hate. And sometimes the experiences are valid. I'm not, I'm not dismissing your experiences with other people at all. Your experiences are valid and they're often factual, but rarely the truth. Don't fall into the trap of creating the image of others, an image of others. You will miss out on some of the treasure. Go get a robot wife. I write that in my notes, actually. Go get a robot wife. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, point two. And this is where what Pastor Mel was even praying about in the, um, in the handover. Free the image. Free the image. Now, one of the reasons we baptize, that's point two, one of the reasons we baptize in water is because water has no image. Right at the very beginning, I mean, you think about even clouds. Clouds are technically water in the sky. They don't have an image. 
you can't conf- well, you can't state that water has its own image. Um, well, no set image. All right, we can shape water. I get that. You know, we can put water in a cup. You know, there's cup-shaped water. <laughs> all right, <laughs> or a bucket. Um, or we can set it free and watch it flow. Traditionally, baptisms were done in a flowing river. It's like, why flowing river? Because God wants to set you free. Because God wants to set you free. Free from the stagnant water of shame. Free from the stagnant water of sin. Free from the stagnant water of oppression, depression, and get this, wait, sickness. But free from the image that we have placed on ourselves as well, from our own image. Let it flow. Let it flow. I want to show you a picture because Jesus gives a really good example. But if you look on the screen, uh, this is two Hebrew words. These words, despite what they look like, are two completely separate words. These words are totally different. I know they look the same. But they sound completely different, I promise you. So we're going to go through this together, all right? I've even put the Strong's Concordance numbers up so that you know that I'm not just making this up. These are two totally separate words in Hebrew, even though they look identical. Yeah. Okay, so the one on your left, Hebrew um, Strong's Concordance, H7451. It is the word ra. Ra. Can you say ra? Nice. Okay. Very good. Nice and easy. Hey, rah. All right. The one on the right, totally different word. Strong's called in 7453. That Hebrew word is rah. Can you say that? Ra. No. Not rah. Rah. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> I wanted to say that for a long time. Yeah, not rah, rah. Really. They, they're separate words. So I'm going to go through them, okay? All right. Ah, the first word on the left, the first one we did, ra, it means evil. Yeah, evil. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, you know, the Pharaoh god, god Ra. That they identify that. They're like, see, evil. But yes, Ra means evil, can mean evil person, um, doing evil. It's very broad, has to do with just being bad. Uh, interestingly, Jesus calls everyone this, Ra. It's really weird, yes. Uh, it actually happens in Matthew 7, 11. He says, you who are evil. It's like, that's nice. In Greek, it's peneros, but in the, um, in the Hebrew, directly this word, ra. You who are ra. And it's like, that's not very nice, Jesus. You should be more like Jesus. <laughs> oh, musicians, you would like to come up? That'd be awesome. Our multicultural musicians. Yeah, amen. But Jesus explains the difference between these two words. All right? Um, in, in the context of the civilization there, there were two groups. Well, you obviously have the Jewish people, but then you had the Samaritans. And I know Rachel's spoken before. In fact, I think most people have spoken about them before up here. But they did not like each other at all. You know, the Samaritans were like, oh, no, the Jews, they are Ra. 
They've been treating us badly. They're the evil ones. We have video of them being evil, kind of thing. But the Jews were like, no, 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 no. They're, they're the evil ones. They're raw. We, we can prove it. We can prove that they're the evil ones. We also have video. And they can, this goes back and forwards for so long. But the point is, they can prove, both sides can prove, that the other group is Ra, is evil. That's the first one, Ra. Um, so Jesus gives a story about this in Luke 10. I'll paraphrase, then we'll do two verses. But Jesus is talking about a Jewish man, and he's on his way from Jerusalem, and he gets mugged by thieves. He gets beaten up. And we, we believe the man was Jewish because he was coming from Jerusalem. So he's on his, he's on his way somewhere, gets beaten up, gets thugged. Um, then a priest, Jewish priest, walks right past him, looks at him and goes, Ooh, no, no, thank you. And this is why he probably thought that man deserves exactly what he got. He must have done something very bad. This is probably karma. So he's obviously Ra. So he... he the Jewish person's own priest, thinking, you're Ra. So I'm just going to leave you, I'm going to walk around you, you can just suffer the burden of your own punishment. Isn't it great that when Jesus came, he didn't come to punish us, he didn't allow us to suffer the punishment we deserve. He actually came to save us from it. So the priest should have tried to save him from it, but he didn't. Then the Levite is walking past, sees the same Jewish man beat up and thinks the same thing along those lines. It's just, I'm not having anything to do with that, not touching, probably unclean, probably got what he deserved. And it says this then in Luke 10 verse 33. It says, but a certain Samaritan, remember, the bad guy, <laughs> the certain Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he, the beat-up Jewish man, he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, considering this beat-up Jew most likely hated Samaritans. Let's not forget this. The beat-up Jew probably actually did hate Samaritans. It wasn't like he might not have been a nice Jew. He probably was a horrible person. Samaritan didn't see that. He had compassion on him. And honestly, the Samaritan probably, honestly, had probably had many facts about why this Jewish man was Ra. I'm on Instagram. This guy and all their people, all their people are horrible to us Samaritans. They treat us like dirt. All the facts and the reasons But the Samaritan had compassion, gave medical help to the Jew, and then made sure he was looked after right until fullness of health. And then Jesus asks the crowd who were listening this question. This is in Luke 10, verse 36. Which now of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the so-called Ra Samaritan, the evil Samaritan, who was neighbor unto him, that fell among the thieves. And the crowd were like, well, obviously it was 
the word neighbor. Which brings us to our second word. I don't know if it's too hard. Can you go back to the Ra and Ra on the screen? Is that okay? Perfect. Which brings us to the right-hand side, Ra. That word... It means neighbor. Actually, friend. That's what that word means. That word, Ra is mentioned in Exodus 33, verse 11. Moses is called the Ra of God, the friend of God. And right now you might be thinking, how come the word evil and the word friend are exactly the same? It's because you get to choose. You get to see the person as Ra or Ra. Same word, your choice. And the Samaritan who comes across the Jew who'd been beat up, he was like, I could see him as the Ra, the evil one, or I can be the Ra, the neighbor, the friend. Because we are, like Jesus said, we are all evil, but Christ comes so that we can be made the righteousness of Christ and he can call us friend. Isn't that beautiful? 